Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast where we get down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens during and after a cancer diagnosis. Hosted by me, Madison Pollock. And me, Paige Gill. Today's guest is Jeanette Carbajal, a disease mindset mentor. She coaches clients before, during, and after cancer treatment. We are so excited to talk with her today. Hi, Jeanette. Welcome. Hi, Madison. Hi, Paige. Hey, Jeanette. We're so excited. Yeah, thank you for coming here with us today. Yes, thanks so much for joining. Um, I've been looking forward to this interview ever since we first spoke a few weeks ago. I'm so excited to pick your brain, get all the details. And yeah, so in your professional uh, life, you are a mentor and coach, and you do so many incredible things with people that are recovering from cancer and disease. Um, It'd be great to get a little bit more information about what you do. Yeah, so I work with leaders who are struggling with this. I help them get back in control of their health and most importantly, how to feel like their mission is not being put on the back burner. Because I work with leaders and um, high achieving entrepreneurs, like they're very mission driven. And so I use my proven method. It's a 17 point roadmap in which we kind of get in front of the curveballs with my clients in a very premeditative state. Um, as soon from the diagnosis as possible. I am known Mm -hmm. for being like that cancer concierge though, or like Mm -hmm. cancer genie, anybody who needs anything. I have a resource and I have a Rolodex, probably as thick as an encyclopedia or back back in the day, back in the day encyclopedias. (laughs) Now we have Google. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. I have so many questions for you. Same. I know. I feel like I, just want to be here for a few hours <laughs> and I'll have enough time. And can, can you tell us a little bit about how you got, got started in your career and how you figured out this is something you wanted to do? Yeah. So it's a really interesting thing and it's a beautiful thing when we were scheduling today's um, podcast. So today's actually my grandmother's birthday. She oh. is the one that um, she was a third person that passed away from cancer that I was wow. helping being a caregiver to. And it was through her experience that I saw, I saw my grandfather going through cancer. I saw my grandmother going through cancer. I became a caregiver. And I'm going to say very honestly, reluctantly, I did it because I had to, not because I really Mm -hmm. wanted to. Mm -hmm. I had to basically change my identity, um, no longer be the big boss in my corporation and become a caregiver. And that was a big, huge identity shift. But through that, I was able to see the juxtaposition of the two cancer experiences of that your you could have the same doctor get treated differently based on the level of English that you can speak in America and then a lot of medical racism that was happening at the time and I said wow. this is not okay I have to not just empower my grandparents how to be advocates for themselves and I advocate for them it wasn't enough so I started really looking inwards into the system of how can I properly prepare others to protect themselves honestly to be their own best advocate Mm -hmm. Um, and that you know your body more than anybody else. You're not a textbook. You're not the perfect little human body that everybody studies in medical school. You are Madison. You are Paige. And through that, you have to teach your practitioner about your own body. And so when my grandmother ultimately, her cancer went into, I guess, remission to stop growing. Mm -hmm. Um, It went to a point that it was very safe. We traveled 
24 hours later, she said, I feel a lump. She had a stroke within that next 24 hours. And it was truly the fear and that mindset of the cancer coming back and having to do treatment once again, that scared her more than anything. And so um, when I buried her, I was like, wait a minute, how does a mind do this when the cancer didn't? Mm-hmm. And that's when I got really obsessed with like mindset and transformational mindset and most importantly, psychoneuroimmunology and biopsychosocial, which is really the effects of your psyche onto your physical body. Yeah. I think that's so important because as Paige and I both know, afterwards, mm-hmm. I mean, every single day still, I think about, I constantly am checking myself, you know, like this anxiety yep. is still there while it has for sure lessened it's still there Mm -hmm. so I think that's so important and I'm curious too what kind of like actual discrimination did you see because I luckily am a white female Um, my mom is a nurse like we were very lucky to find doctors and have people really helpful be around us during this whole process so I didn't experience that but I'm curious what you experienced Yeah. So some of the things I'm going to talk about, so, you know, that scale when you're in the doctor's office and it says like happy face, smiley face, sad face. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) So that's like an actual real medical tool that physicians use in order to, to see how they're feeling. But when translated, sometimes the, uh, from English, like to Spanish, for example, in our Mm -hmm. case, it was actually lessened. And I said, no, she's in pain. Like, no, but she pointed at this smiley face. I said, she's a strong Hispanic woman that is going to say that, but she's telling me she's in pain. She can't Mm -hmm. sleep. She's getting the itches at night. She has the heat sweats. I was like, can you let up a little bit? And even when we asked for medical um, translators, it wasn't always given to us unless we would wait for another appointment to have one ready. So these wow. things were happening along with not, again, not believing symptom management, not believing symptoms yeah. to help with the management. Right. And so certain medications were really crossing the lines. And even if you have a caregiver or someone helping advocate for you right now, mm-hmm. um, there could still be a lot of margin for error. And right now, more than ever, it is, I feel necessary for every cancer patient to have a cancer coach because mm-hmm. they're now going into the hospitals alone. Yeah, they don't, yeah, have, true. They don't like, have anybody to help them these days. They're, I mean, so I'm, getting, I'm getting consults with people who are being diagnosed alone, being I asked to imagine. choose their treatment alone, going to do a three-day or five-day intensive chemo sessions alone. It's like I don't, I don't see how that is going to benefit and do the ultimate healing. And yeah. so it's all about everyone having a cancer coach right now. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember a lot of times, just like you're saying, Jeanette, I would go for an appointment and there would be people there, like you're saying, completely and utterly alone. And my mom and I would just always think to ourselves, like, is there any way that we can help drive people to their appointments or sit with them while they're waiting in the waiting room? Because I can't imagine the loneliness that sets in Mm -hmm. and like what your mind is telling you when you're when you're going through it by yourself and it's 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 truly it's truly um devastating it's it's really really devastating the fact that in medicine right now touch is forbidden 
because I know right. when um, most of my clients, the number one yeah. thing they say is they, they pick their practitioner if the practitioner laid their hand on their hand mm-hmm. or oh, wow. put their hand on their shoulder. Yeah. It's the one determining factor if they trusted their wow. oncologist or not. Wow. Yeah, that's and really interesting. Touch is being removed right now because yeah, of the state of the world. Yeah, that's so true. That's yes. actually very true. It's so sad. I can't. Like, I was, of course, with my family and friends every single step of the way. And I cannot imagine going through it alone, being in that mm-hmm. in that doctor's office by yourself. Yeah, I, I feel like I didn't know how to make decisions. For, like, I don't, 100%. I didn't make one decision. 100%. Honestly, me either. Right? My mom, yeah. <laughs> my mom did it all. Like, she's a saint. Yeah. yeah. So, Jane, my, my dad would make flow charts yeah. of how to make the decisions. They were the best. So it was, it was funny. We were deciding to do whether we wanted to go down the path of radiation or not after Mm. chemo. And so he made a whole flow chart and we went to the doctor and got a second opinion for it all. And they were like, can we keep this flow chart? Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Do you have that? (laughs) Yeah, I have a flow chart still in a binder. (laughs) It was so intense, but it helped. It really did. Like that everything on a piece of paper at once to look at because otherwise there's too many facts to choose from yeah there's too much emotion too so if you you can remove emotion and see facts it really helps us a lot yeah right so true yeah and I had a question Jeanette also like I guess this is a personal struggle I've been feeling and I've been wondering if you get a lot of survivors that feel this way or people going through treatment any step of the way where all, I think about death a lot now, like not mm-hmm. for myself, actually, mm-hmm. not ever really for myself, but I get scared about death for my loved ones. And it limits me from feeling like I can go through life in a positive way and just enjoy it. Cause I'm like, kind of what is, what is life and what, like yeah. you start going through all those types of questions, but I know yeah. death kind of surrounds my mind a lot. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to try to answer this without, you know, (laughs) being preachy. And um, so when, when it comes to death, when we, when, when people have a diagnosis that can ultimately feel terminal, like you get on what I call, you get on that death walker trail. So you're literally always in the middle of life and death. And when you're there, it's almost like an initiation Like I had to worry about this. I had to have my thoughts of one way or the other, but I don't want my friends or family to get here. So then we worry. It's almost like we're pushing them away from this wall. Mm. Like, hey, stay away from this wall. You don't want to come over here. But because I'm not like a he, I am spiritual, but I'm not the biggest spiritual scholar. I would actually say there is a book called The Untethered Soul. Have you read it? No. There is two chapters in the back of the book talking about death. And it is deep, okay. it is profound, and it is what I help my clients go through. So if you can just read those, I think it's like less than 17 pages. I'm right. Okay, down. could you? Yeah, same, right yeah. now. <laughs> can you, untethered, what's the second part of that? The untethered soul. The untethered soul. And those okay. two chapters in the back of the book actually will resonate so deep. Because at a certain point when you face, I guess, death, and you say, nah, not today, not on my watch. I take mm-hmm. back control and I'm choosing to stay over here. There's a lot of power because some people can't even have that conversation. Yeah. 
and if you can read that it, it helps like tie um tie these thoughts together in a nice pretty package and rope it's an it's an Thanks. amazing Great. book anybody Thank that you, you you're welcome anyone you know that is going through the cancer experience and mm-hmm. they have space and a mindset to read. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great book. Okay, great, great. That's my yeah. next uh, book club. Yeah. <laughs> read for <laughs> September. Amazing. <seriously>. Amazing. <laughs> Invite me in. I love rereading it. Okay, perfect. It's done. Free <laughs> little book club here. <laughs> I'm curious, Jeanette. So, how does when? When you're along the journey kind of with someone like start of diagnosis to after and recovering from treatment, how at the start of diagnosis is the mind shift mindset work different from when you're recovering? Yeah. So right when someone's diagnosed, their identity is completely shifted. They don't know who they will be in a month and they don't know who they were last week. They are what I call like in this limbo stage and I, they call it limbo, right? But I really see it as a disconnect. It's almost as if as you're growing up, you know, you're maybe a daughter first, then you become a mm-hmm. sister and parts of you get plugged into certain identities and then you become a, an employee and then you become an entrepreneur and then you're a person in society and an activist and all these parts of you kind of get plugged in. And mm-hmm. when you get diagnosed, it's almost as if you pulled your plugs back together and you're in a void. You're like floating. You don't know exactly right. where yeah. you're, where you're standing yet. Yeah. And, um, they're really looking for anything to get plugged into, which are facts, which mm-hmm. is what is real, uh, who is important to me right now, and what do I truly, really want. And mm-hmm. that's during during that time is when I really go deep with my clients and go into their new values. Values is actually the determination of how their treatments will go and also the treatments that they would choose. And so we mm-hmm. dig deep into identity work values and um, digging deep into the strengths. So we look at everything prior to diagnosis and we Mm -hmm. do what is called a strength-based positive, positive psychology coaching. And and I'm curious when you're talking about this, it kind of reminds me, I I went to therapy once or twice, like right after uh, treatment. And I, there was a part of me that felt like there was life before in life now after mm-hmm. would you say it's health what what would you say is the healthiest way to recover after in terms of piecing those two things together yeah so i would say not piecing them separate at all you, okay. you like you know page you are that the same person and so when there is a diagnosis is getting a team to help support you and then and then mm-hmm. during treatment and recovery have a team to support you then because that is the building blocks to be resilient after to keep the healthy mindset and lifestyle permanent. Um, If we wait, which a lot of my clients come to me there, they say, I did chemo, I did radiation, I did Mm -hmm. allopathic, I did everything, but I had my head down and I was just Mm -hmm. get out of my way, get out of my way. I need to make it to my finish line. And then they come Mm -hmm. up and they're like, Oh shit, what just happened? Yeah, exactly. Actually, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, shit, what just happened? And processing <laughs> yep. those emotions, even conversations in the chemo room. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I always say, don't wait to get help. Get help now. Yes. Because mm-hmm. the help will help you become more resilient to be right. able to make it to your finish line less scathed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because is it normal for you to see um, – 
the patients you work with like numb out the whole experience and not even have any recollection really of the details yeah it's very um that does happen and it's you know there's a lot of denial with that and Mm -hmm. that's what I would let a psychologist go more deeper but there's a lot of (laughs) denial when it comes to that in addition to they're not in a place where they're stable enough to process it so it's okay to be that way until they Mm -hmm. have a team a support system a therapist a coach to help them then feel safe to process it and it's our mind ultimately keeping us safe and so yeah right it's always for, yeah. it always has a positive intention. Yeah. yeah. So and good. then afterwards, like when people are going through that, oh shit moment, because I'm sure you start coaching people in that phase as well. Um, Not as much, like less than 30% oh, really? see me as survivors. Okay. Yeah. I have wow. two other coaches that I actually send more to survivors. Like okay. they'll do like one or two months with me to do like deep inner work. And then okay. I hand them off to like someone who specializes in survivorship. Okay. Right. Wow. And what do they typically, in terms of like that mind shift, mind shift work, how is that different from when you're first diagnosed? Yeah. Again, it's identity work. So you're right. like a, a new identity. There's a lot yeah. of, um, what is that term? Superman or Peter Pan syndrome, where they just want to like spend all their money and go do Peter like, Pan, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and jump out planes. And they, uh, that they was really... me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Was it Maddie? Spending all my money, 100%. I was like, screw it. (laughs) Building up my credit card bill, I don't care. Yeah, and so I see that very a lot. And the thing is, is it's about identity work. Because when that happens, because you feel like there might not be a future. So I always say, Mm -hmm. let's plan for the future. Let's save. Let's save now. Let's put an allowance for like the really fun part. Let's let's Mm -hmm. save some because that money you're saving is going to anchor you to stay here. Yeah, it's going to anchor your choices. It's going to anchor everything. So Mm -hmm. it's not a because that's ultimately scarcity and abundance mindset. And so it's it's, it's about looking at money and abundance mindset. Yeah, that happened for me a lot, too, which is why now I'm a health coach. But this happened for me a lot before. That's what I figured out I wanted to do where I got out and I wanted in terms of food because I've always loved food. So at the beginning, it was a really weird mind set of like I'm gonna eat everything I want because now I can versus Mm. I want to eat really healthy because I need to make my fuel my body with actually what it needs yeah do you see that a lot too I know money is like one part of it but do you see that a lot too with yeah it's the feast and famine against abundant scarcity the reason we want to eat it's because we were so deprived before and so we're like oh abundance I want abundance because we feel there's scarcity so yeah it's it's really when we my clients go into survivorship it's scarcity and abundance mindset in a lot of places it's like friends yeah. and family I either hate you or I love you mm-hmm. um, it's it's in money spending it or keeping it it's in yeah. food it's in all areas so it's about balancing wow. that that's it's about, so interesting yeah. yeah it's about balancing it yeah I love the anchor because I do too. I think I got to that place where I'm like, no, I'm going to be here for a long time. I need to yes. be healthy and like never go through this again. Um, that's yeah. I love that actual like visualization. I do too. I think it would be, would have been so helpful to, cause once again, I'm like wishing that I would have done this when I gone through it or having, I wish I had a coach. So I, I like someone sitting you down and kind of telling you and reassuring you 
that there is a future for you. And like you're saying, let's actually plan for it. And it kind of gets you excited. I would, I feel like it's like, I'm putting myself back in that time frame. Um, and I'm like, I would have been really excited to be like, okay, let's plan for all these fun things that I have upcoming because now that is the time of life that I have coming up. So yeah, cause yeah. I, I think I was in the spot where I didn't go through what Maddie you're saying, where you did everything like scarcity <laughs> abundance. I, mm-hmm. I see, I see how it could have gone down that path though, but I was just feeling blah about everything where I didn't want to put my toes in anywhere because I didn't want to get too excited about anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that, the, the, the shadow of cancer mm-hmm. always kind of yeah. having its like taint on everything. Yes. Yeah. It has a big shadow. Yeah. <laughs> Huge everywhere. Yeah. Another, cause I know you coach like professionals, like getting back into work and things like that. Um, do a lot of people tend to shift their careers afterwards? So, so I would say 50% of my clients, and I can only speak on my practice. And so because mm-hmm. I work with very high achieving leaders and professionals and entrepreneurs, they're very mission driven. So sometimes their mission gets deeper and stronger because they, mm. once they get into survivorship, they're just like, this is the reason I'm here on this planet. I need to make mm-hmm. my mission work. I'm going to help with like leadership mm. and mindset work or like they, their mission gets deeper. And then there are those who have been what I call in the golden handcuff. So they've been in corporate America, lived a really mm. cushy life, but not really mm-hmm. awoken that like fire within them. And they right. do have a career shift. And I think some of the people that I, that I mentor now to become cancer coaches, they're actually my previous clients. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because you also coach cancer coaches. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, a lot of my clients, when they went into survivorship, they're like, I want to do what you do, Jeanette. Like, you helped me. That we, we need more. And I said, yeah, we do. Sure. So mm-hmm. I would mentor like one to two a year. And what I ended up doing is creating an accelerator program, which is called the Resilient Cancer Coach Accelerator. And it's mostly for coaches who are ready to have mm-hmm. those raw, honest conversations with cancer patients and yeah. support them by any means possible to be their speakerphone and teach them how to box when, need, when necessary. Love that. And do you work closely with um, like physicians or doctors yeah. or naturopaths? Do you work yes. closely with okay. all of them? So I work with yeah. a large team around the world where they're actually experts from the truth about cancer, Sloan Kettering, many people that are around um, cancer patients that I surround Mm -hmm. myself with because I need to have the best people in my Rolodex. That's one. Two is I had two, um, I had two offices in Los Angeles, Santa Monica and Newport beach and the physicians there like would just become built in referral network. Um, And actually three of the people in my accelerator are doctors turning cancer coaches. Yeah. Very oh, that's cool. amazing. Yeah. Wow. That, uh, yeah, I think that would be really, because um, I know Paige and I talk about this a lot. Like there's this gap kind of in the medical world, which I'm sure you experience mm-hmm. of the emotional side of things, which I know doctors mm-hmm. like are doing it for a purpose. And I think it makes mm-hmm. sense to not have an emotional connection, but for cancer patients, it's like, you know, we're humans too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the doctors are really they're they're limited with time right Mm -hmm. they also have um they're trying to prevent themselves from having compassion fatigue because Mm -hmm. if they go on this roller coaster hour after hour they get burned out and they have this compassion fatigue and so that's one of the things that I strongly teach even my referral uh, doctors Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. how to protect your energy and be able to tap in at the same time I never even actually thought about that that's so interesting because you're right I can't even imagine going from patient to patient like going through all the if you were to go through all the emotions with every single Mm -hmm. patient of yours it would affect you so mentally and physically actually yeah yeah so it's it's definitely called an energy hygiene that I teach them because I I want them to have that high touch experience with the client even if it's limited in time Mm -hmm. but like connect with them and then be able to wash it away okay wow and and I had another I feel like I'm trying to pick your mind so fast, Janet. Sure, I have so many. I yeah. have so many questions. <laughs> hey, do you go? <laughs> Same. Um, oh, I just had it, and uh, I got I'm really sorry. interested in what we were just talking about. <laughs> okay, you go ahead, Maddie. I'll come back to me. I was going to say, what are some of those? If you could pick out like a few of those tips of not getting compassion fatigue, is that what you called it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Protocols, 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 create your Mm -hmm. own protocols, whether you're a coach, whether you're interviewing someone on this podcast, create Mm -hmm. your protocol before and after that allows you to clean the energy. For example, Mm -hmm. I light a candle before Mm -hmm. I I get on a session like this. Mm -hmm. And so when I light the candle, it allows me to be like, I am in a safe container. Anything that feels like pulling at my heartstring or I don't need it. I just throw it into the flame and I allow it to burn in a very safe way. Also, when people are venting to you or you know you're going to be in a venting situation Mm -hmm. where energy does literally stick to you and you Mm -hmm. feel the heaviness of whoever vented to you in addition to wanting to help them, throw it into a flame. Um, It's literally called venting because they release it onto us. And so creating a protocol before, having a protocol after Mm -hmm. um, allows with that process where you feel grounded and centered, where an external conversation or experience does not rock you. I, I really love that. I so do too. Much. I'm thinking I'm about making... what kind of protocol I want to do. Candles are for yeah. sure. I love the candle one. ones. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we'll yeah. be getting a lot of candles before <laughs> yeah. our sessions now. Yeah. <laughs> Your poor finger before this one. <laughs> um, I did just remember the question that I was going to ask you. How often do you see your cancer patients, I guess, after treatment where they kind of think that, well, I guess like during treatment or before when they get diagnosed, that at the end of it all, they're going to have this huge, remarkable moment where life, you're supposed to basically live life to the fullest and enjoy everything because you're healthy and that's all that matters. And then what actually happens at the end of it all, how often do people actually stick with that mind frame where, you know what, let's live life to the fullest. Now I just went through all this. So great question, Paige. And it's a part of the 17 uh, point roadmap that I have. So as Mm -hmm. soon as I get somebody um, that becomes a client of mine, I ask them, how many days after a clear scan are we going to celebrate? That's the first question. I like that. 
And so it's Deep not it's not like something they choose. We we plan it. And some of them say three months after. I say, okay, mm-hmm. and how are we going to celebrate? Well, I want this and I want that. And so we create that plan. <laughs> and so we actually make it a party. We make it a celebration. And then we say, what are we going to throw away that day too? Well, I'm going to throw away all this fear that I have. And so we kind of make it an entire ceremony. Oh, I really like that. So I would you that. say anniversaries are very important to have? I know mm, I was told to do that and yeah. I just have it and I'm kind of thinking I should move on doing them. <laughs> yeah, I think anniversaries, as long as you feel um, mm-hmm. that they're right for you. Some people like anniversaries. Some people like to do the anniversary of their diagnosis date. So it's either the clear scan or the oh, diagnosis. It's really which one feels different or better for you so it's a personal experience wow you're right I the diagnosis date actually for me brings out a lot more of emotions I think and I always thought that it was like you're saying the end of like your last scan where you're clear but I like how it's up to us to determine what feels like the right one yeah, that is interesting. For me, it's the yeah, last, what be for you? my last chemo, <laughs> even though I still had radiation oh, after that. It's still my last, yeah. my last chemo feels like. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I might think I just remember feeling so, I mean, I still had yeah. to like, de- I had to decide between chemo and radiation also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I chose radiation, but I didn't, I decided in my head, but I didn't tell my doctor yet. But like, I knew that was my last yeah. chemo. Yeah, that was a big one. You're right, Maddie. Did you ring the bell? Did that feel? No, we don't have a bell. Oh, that's sad. Okay. Yeah, you need to tell them to get a bell for other patients going. I know. We didn't have a bell. Yeah, the bell was a good feeling. A firecracker or like those poppers. Those work really good too. Oh yeah, a popper would be really satisfying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's even. Maddie mentioned that, and I love that you did this, Maddie, was you guys did a wig party. I don't know if, if it was for, was it, remind me again, was it for cancer or was it just because you guys uh, like wig parties? I just was, liked it either way. But. Yeah, it was for my birthday and I was, I was going through chemo. So we all there we go. Wig. Okay. So it was related. I love yeah. that. It was a rule you had to wear a wig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was fun. So there's some fun things that come out of it. And, um, Jeanette, so are you, I guess not now because of COVID, but are you typically with your clients like in the doctor's offices or do you meet with them separately on calls or how does it usually work or does it depend? Yeah, I do not go into the medical setting with them at all. Um, I let the doctors and their team be 100% in control. I don't want to be an influence into what decisions they're making at all. Um, So we actually meet um, over Zoom or in person, if they, okay. Okay. If they want. Right. Um, there are still some, I think maybe less than, actually not less than, one client is the only one that still wants to see me in person with social distancing oh. at, uh, yeah. at length, but that's about all. And everything yeah. is done via Zoom because we don't have to bother a caregiver if they're too fatigued right. to leave, mm. if they're having like nausea where they don't know, you know where the tr- bathroom's going to be on the road. So mm. Zoom, um, Zoom and a couple of other virtual platforms. Okay. And that is a good one. You can feel your energy too. You're like so calming. Yes. And I, like, <laughs> I feel like relaxed, oh. even though it took us 20 minutes to hop on this. Yes. 
<laughs> technical difficulties for you. I know your voice is so soothing. I, I love it. Thank you. Um, what advice do you have for people going through treatment right now during COVID? Like, yeah. cause I'm sure it's so much harder mm-hmm. than it typically would be. Do you have any tips or advice? Yeah, so I actually have an entire protocol for during COVID. Uh So chemo, cancer during COVID. So the first thing is create a schedule with you and your family because they Mm -hmm. probably will be alone. Um, It's creating that schedule of, you know, maybe cousin auntie Lou will be calling me for half an hour during treatment. And then I'll have my food there for a 45-minute window. And then I'll be on a a book club with some friends or a chat room for these 30 minutes. It's really creating a schedule so that it feels like you have a community when you're alone. So that's the Mm -hmm. first one. Um, The second one is create your home as a healing oasis. Like we're all basically cocooning in our own homes right now. Start to, Mm -hmm. to unlock the healing capabilities that is available in our home. And do not hoard your health. You know, if you have those expensive bath bombs, use them. We're in a pandemic, <laughs> ladies. Like, don't hoard them. <laughs> yeah. Just use them. You know, if you have eucalyptus that's just for decoration, put them in your shower. Like, just start mm. to use luxuries and indulging at home. Yeah. I, um, I, I always have that bad habit of wanting to save things mm-hmm. for the occasion. <laughs> Me too. Me too. For, yeah. <laughs> the occasion like a special occasion but then they never like you're saying Jenna they never get used then what's we're, the point we're literally um like at home right so it's I'm yeah. calling it sanctuary at home and truly like live into that luxury for yourself mm-hmm. there's I enough going out there going on out there uh Madison did you ask for three I forgot yes okay. or you was it for this or I remember you had something else that you asked for three bullet points (laughs) my one yes I did have three so my question was if you could give your top three tips to someone who has just finished treatment and is recovering what would they be celebrate like have a celebration Mm -hmm. with intention so I'm not talking about red lobster I don't even know if red lobster is still in existence anymore (laughs) but like The difference between going to Red Lobster on a Wednesday and going to Red Lobster on a Thursday for a cousin's graduation party is truly the intention, not the location. Mm -hmm. It's the intention that the positive intention that you're putting behind it. So celebrate with intention, you know, bring in all those people that supported you because ultimately the the little pieces that they did for them and even meant so much for them. So really appreciating the extra mile that they did for you and, 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 how it changed your life and how it truly helped uh, move the needle in those daily basis. So one celebrate, um, someone you said after treatment, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's a survivorship. Yeah. Okay. So one is celebrating number two, it's create a five year plan, a five year health Mm -hmm. and wellness vision plan and what that looks like goals in addition to, um, travel, traveling, even Mm -hmm. if it's local travels, and then yeah. the third one is keep processing your emotions. Do not stop. Do not put them in a box. Do not stuff them down. Mm-hmm. Work yeah. with a therapist, a coach, counselor, religious um, organization, but keep tapping into your emotions because we need to yeah. make sure they're out. Yeah. Yes. It's so important because I definitely, for the first like two months, definitely did not. That's okay. Yeah, I I still feel like I try and just keep busy, busy, busy to not even remember what happened, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or 
I jumped back into things very quickly <laughs> to feel normal right. again. Yeah. And, and the thing is that you, that's the body, that's your brain and that's your heart protecting you. So maybe you just need to find that one, two people that you can trust to like, let it, let it go in a very timed fashion. Yeah. So be like for one hour, one hour only, I'm going to let it out of the box and then I'll put it <laughs> back together. And every yeah. time you do that, opening that box doesn't feel as hard. Right. Yeah, I agree. And going to our name, cancer actually fucking sucks. I think that a lot of times I just remember that during the process, people would try and tell you like, it's okay. Like you'll get through this. Like, (laughs) and, and I wish that we could just be told, you know what, this actually just fucking sucks. Yeah. And what's your, what's your, mindset around how to console someone going through it or hear them what yeah what recommendation do you give to someone trying to help someone going through the process first don't positive wash somebody else's whole experience Mm. so don't like don't say it's gonna be fine you're a fighter you can do it you got this because positive washing is not helping them Okay. it's like putting glitter over poop like yeah. it, it really... I'm like clapping yeah <laughs> but I mean it's don't do that you and if if you know someone has triple negative breast cancer and you know somebody else who survived it say you'll be fine you know my cousin survived it two different experiences never compare never compare mm-hmm. somebody else's cancer or healing experience at all mm-hmm. um don't give somebody piles and mountains of books and and stuff that they need to read and look into. All of my clients end up having a swag room. This is what I call it, a swag room, where everybody just dumps things that they're like, did you try that thing? Did you eat that? Did you watch that <laughs> Facebook video? It's like, don't give them stuff to do. Ask them, how can I take things off of your plate? Mm. Um, and then it would be if you are texting somebody after you find out that they are diagnosed, don't mm-hmm. say, let me know if you need anything. Like, don't say it. Mm-hmm. You say, hey, Jeanette, what color is your heart today? How can I support you best or love you best today? I have mm-hmm. a three-hour window tomorrow. I can pick up groceries, bring you food, or do some research for you. Mm-hmm. You give them a time frame. You tell them exactly what you're willing to do because it, it doesn't, um, it allows the person offering to have boundaries along with the patient knowing how long they might be there for without saying come right. over and they end up there for t- two days. Right. Yes. Because I feel like that was something that deterred me from wanting people to come over is I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be exhausted. I don't want yeah. people <laughs> to be here all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's about setting timeframes and boundaries as the person offering and also the person accepting. It's like, what are those, mm. what are those timeframes and what is the boundaries? Yeah. What are you willing to do? And you can say yeah. no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for giving such a clear yeah, those are such message. Great. Yeah, because I wish um, that I was kind of told to do that when I was reaching out to someone honestly as well that I knew before going through this experience. When I was told that someone close to me was diagnosed, I just was clueless on what to say. Yeah. So I understand when people don't know what to say 
to us mm-hmm. when we went through it because mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to to really know just off the bat. But you really laid it out. Thanks, Jeanette. You're welcome. I have an ebook if you think your listeners would want that. It's what not oh, to yeah, tell cancer yeah. patients and how to have loving conversations instead. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. useful. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, send me that link and I'll put it in the yes, in the please. podcast description. Perfect. For sure. Okay, I have a final question, or unless Paige has one other question. I mean, I have so many, but this is one that I really wanted to hear. What advice do you have for building confidence back up after treatment? Because for me, I was, like, just so – my confidence completely went away because I just didn't look like myself. I didn't know what to do. So I'd love to hear hear your advice. Take a life inventory. Mm. So you get a piece of paper, put a line down the middle, and you write down all the struggles you've gone through in your life and what you learned from them. And then it just has has a list of just, when you look at it and you look at your entire life, you say, holy moly, I have gone over mountains, through valleys, through deserts, through hardships, Mm -hmm. and I made it out, and I learned this, and I have this, and I have this. I'm the biggest badass that I know. Of course, I'm going to be fine again. This is just one more thing on my timeline of life. And it's going to make me stronger. I yeah. love that. Wow. I'm getting a paper with the line down Seriously, the middle. Seriously, I just right started out. <laughs> yeah, my activity for the afternoon. Thank you. I really <laughs> love that. Yeah. I do oh, too. so much. That just yeah. sounds so empowering already. Like, I, I can imagine what kind of wonders that does for yourself just to know what how it's actually helped and improved your life versus just bringing down. Yeah. Um, I do this with my clients when I do private retreats. So I do two day intensives mm-hmm. with my clients when they first work oh, with wow. me, my elite. Yeah. So we do two days in a retreat house, me, a therapist and them, and we do really deep work. And so we do the timeline. I go into much more steps, but that's an entire day mm. because we unpack it. And it's just the most beautiful eye opening experience. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you work with a specific, I said my last question, but I have now one more. Do you work with a specific therapist with everyone? Um, Mm -hmm. Like how do you kind of have that community or? Yeah. So I have a retreat business that's only for transformational life experiences. And Mm -hmm. I have a therapist there just in case. Okay. In case we hit a nerve, in case we we need Mm -hmm. to, we've gone somewhere that a coach is not qualified to go into. She's there. Mm-hmm. And so she's probably activated in the past couple of retreats, like two okay. or three times. Yeah. That's great. That's, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful to have. My thank clients are very much. supported and nurtured. Yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Jeanette, thank you so much. Yeah. I like have loved this conversation. Okay. I seriously have so many other questions. But, yeah. Same. Um, <laughs> message those of <over. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, but before we end where can everyone find you how can Mm -hmm. people contact you and I'll write all of this again in the podcast description but yeah so um, on Instagram disease life mindset that's like Mm -hmm. where I put daily tips daily stuff and just information inspirational quotes so along with the realities of like what's real about disease and cancer and a diagnosis and shifting identity. And then my website is um, experiencehealthbyjeanette.com because I believe everybody can experience health regardless of what the medical files say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 
perfect. Thank okay, you. Great. You're amazing. Thank you so much. So you really are. <laughs> It's so soothing. I know. Yeah. You should also, as a side business, you should um, like read meditation. You should. <laughs> Headspace would go so much higher in value. Really? With you just yeah. talking. I can I would, imagine you with, I got, yeah. with me while I go through something. I fall, <laughs> I fall asleep to meditations every night and um, you, you have a great voice for it. So. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jeanette. It was so amazing talking to you. Yes, it truly was. Thank you again. So grateful. Yes, thank you. Keep in touch, please. Yes, please do. We will. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast that tells the truth about what people with cancer actually go through. Each week, myself, Paige Gill, and my co-host, Madison Pollock, sit down with fellow cancer survivors to tell our stories. Keep up to date with our guests and new episodes on our Facebook and Instagram pages, Cancer Actually Sucks Podcast, and tune in every Monday to hear our stories. 